just the front and the back. There's a lot of words on here, but I promise you this will be one of, this will be a, this will be a jump start sermon. It's been on my heart to, you know, like a dead battery once you hook it up to a car that's running and in good shape. <coughs> can bring it back, so I'm going to pass these out. There's, there's a lot of good stuff on here. Um, <clears throat> just thankful for decisiveness today. I don't often feel like super sure about what I'm supposed to preach about, um, so today I do, and I'm really excited about it. I'm going to pray for us real quick. All right, thank you, Jesus, just for bringing us here today. Thank you, Lord, just for, just for the ability to take a breath, deep breath, Lord, just to relax and just to know that you go out before us. You give us provision, prosperity. Thank you, Jesus, that we all always have a hedge of protection around us. Your guardian angels are always looking out for us, and we just thank you, Lord, for <coughs> an enlightenment that we know that you always want what's best for us. Thank you, Jesus, just for wisdom. Thank you, Lord, for blessing my words today. I can act as conduit for you. And that uh, we just ask for ears to hear and spirits to understand. And that if anyone has questions, they would have the courage to ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. So, I like to draw a lot of um, my sermons and my ideas from what I'm usually going through, or I'll, I'll draw from other people, like in my close circle, because I do think that sometimes we can get like a mental block, especially when we make something like too comfortable. I'm really comfortable talking in front of people, so that's like not my that's not my issue. Sometimes I think like I don't want to be repetitive. So I'll draw from people in my inner circle, or I'll draw from a devotion I might have read, I'll draw from past sermons I've heard. <clears throat> I've been sitting under really good teaching ever since I was like seven, eight years old. So I've had a lot of really good influences in my life. <clears throat> but I think that in asking the Lord usually, like, what am I supposed to preach about? He, he can work through other people. And like we hit on in the past couple weeks, being you know iron sharpening iron, making sure that the people that I'm drawing from, the people that I'm putting myself around and that I'm asking for advice from, that those are people that I can align with. So I do think that the Lord can work through others. I actually know the Lord can work through others. So uh, this teaching is going to be called righteous, Righteously Fearless. Um, I asked my wife what she had in mind yesterday when we were driving, <clears throat> and she just said, like, how to find peace or peace of mind, despite your circumstances that you might be going through in the physical realm here. So I thought, you know, I'm going to do something with that. So I started praying about it, and fear is just, dude, fear is a plague. And it, it, it runs rampant through our society. It runs rampant through our businesses. It runs rampant through our spirituality, through our relationships, parenting, being a child, being in school, everything, almost every part of life, there is a heavy aspect of fear. So I want to start here. 
Fear is defined as an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. We're going to go from learning about fear today to learning about how we have the righteousness of Christ and how that can overcome fear. So we're going to learn about where fear first came from. Fear is not an inherent character trait that Jesus wanted us to be designed with. When he designed Adam in the Garden of Eden, fear was not in the character traits that he breathed into his lungs. Amen? We all agree with that. Fear is not a godly feeling. That's nothing that the Lord desired for us when he originally planned this whole thing out. We're going to look at the first reference of fear in history. So in Genesis 2, this is shortly after Jesus, or God and Jesus breathed their breath into Adam, the creation of man. Genesis 2, 22 through 25, the NIV version. All of my verses are in the NIV. It said, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Verse 24, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Okay, setting the table, setting the stage. By the way, really cool thing that I learned in the last couple years is that the reason that woman is called woman is she was taken out of the womb of a man. How people might have already known that? I didn't. I think it's a pretty cool fact. So let's go to Genesis 3, 8 through 10. <clears throat> then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, so I hid. So we can see that in Genesis 2, the first, first verse there, it ends in, uh, in verse 25, it says, you know, they felt no shame. And then we see in Genesis 3, 8 through 10, he said, I, hid, I heard you in the garden, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. This is the first reference of fear. Now, fear is defined in a lot of ways. When I opened it up, I said, there's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. There's also a different embodiment of fear that could be like a reverence or in awe of. That's what they say when we should have a fear of God or when someone might say, oh, my wife is fearfully and wonderfully made. This child is fearfully and wonderfully made. Okay, like we need to make sure we read into things and we need to make sure we understand things, the context of things as well. <clears throat> Saying a child is fearfully or wonderfully made Yes, they're wonderfully made. It's amazing how a baby is made, how humans are made. The design that God had in mind was, is phenomenal. But to think that God breathes fear into a child is insane. It's no God that I'd want to serve. What that means is fearfully can be in awe of how Moses was in awe of God. You can be in awe of or like, somewhat starstrucken. Fear does not have to mean torment. 
Fear does not have to mean that you are in danger of someone or something. So there's different derivatives of fear. As you can see here, Adam, the minute after they had eaten from the, from the, knowledge, the tree of good, knowledge of good and evil, their entire mind was changed. They were aware of what fear was. They were aware that they were naked. These were people that had no concept of anything. God designed them, and then life started. So fear was put on them, not by God. Do we understand that? Are we able to communicate that to others throughout, throughout our daily conversations? Because a lot of times, what I'm, what I'm hearing nowadays is people, people talking about how God allows certain things to happen. That's just not true. And like in this church, we're going we're to speak truth. I just read the Bible verses right here, right? This doesn't say Trey, Trey 2, 22 through 25, right? It says Genesis, right? This is, this is the Bible. So when people think God lets bad things happen, that's just a lie. It's an absolute lie. And it would be insanity for you to think that a God that breathed breath into your lungs would also want you to fear. That does not go hand in hand. So what, let, let's look at the, what is the biblical definition of righteousness. <clears throat> in its deeper and spiritual meaning, righteousness is the quality of being right in the eyes of God, including character, which is nature, conscience, attitude, conduct or action, and command, which, is, which would be word. Righteousness is therefore based upon God's standard because he is the ultimate lawgiver, referenced by Isaiah 33, 22. So what is the biblical definition of Christ? Christ was not originally a name, but a title derived from the Greek words Christos, which translates the Hebrew term Messiah or Messiah, meaning the anointed one. <clears throat> this means that being Christians, which is a very loose, loose term, pretty thrown around, you can be a Christian and you could like have a denomination now. So everyone could say, yeah, I guess I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. I think there's a God. Christian is actually a very heavy-weighted word when you break it down. <clears throat> this means being a Christian, which is derived from Christ, means we are anointed ones in Jesus Christ. Because of what Jesus did in his atonement, we are now anointed because we believe in the Lord and we've accepted him as our Lord and Savior, invited him to live into our heart. So that's what being a Christian is. Jesus fulfilled the nature, the attitude, the action, and the word to meet and complete the criteria and the standards of righteousness in our place. So that means because of his anointing, because of everything that he was able to do for us, we can call ourselves Christians. Praise God for that. It's amazing. So we're going to jump to 1 John 4, 7 through 18. I'm going to read this just to kind of set the stage. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love God does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. 
Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He's given us his spirit. And we have seen and seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete. Among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. You guys see that? Confidence on the day of judgment. In the world, we are like Jesus, period. In this world, we are like Jesus, period. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So sometimes... We get distracted and we just accept things because like if, if, it's said, if it's said by enough people and it's put in enough different font on the internet and it's said in like a whisper tone or it's yelled really loud or it's in a different language or someone like gets it because they, you know, they went through some stuff in life, we can say, okay, well, like that could be truth now. Well, it's not truth. People that say only God can judge me, it's a lie. In this world, we are like Jesus. You're not going to be judged, right? Because who's, who, who, who took your place of judgment? Jesus. I mean, right here we see it. We will have confidence on the day of judgment. Colon. In this world, we are like Jesus. That means that when, when I go to heaven and we have to give an account... Every single shortcoming that I have had in my life and that all of us have had in our life, if you are a born-again Christian and you believe in the atonement and you believe that Jesus came and died for your sins and he took up your infirmities and your diseases, you don't just say it with your mouth, you believe it. That means that God, this won't happen, but if it did happen and we need to like paint a picture of it, Trey, why did you? Because Jesus. Trey, why did you do? Because Jesus. I'm exempt from judgment because Jesus is standing in front of me. He is my atonement. Do we understand that? Like how amazing it, how, how can you be fearful of anything when you know that Jesus is your atonement? When you break it down simply like that. I'll never forget in college, this kid, I was sitting next to this kid and he had like a fresh tattoo on his arm. And I was like, what'd you get? What kind of ink did you get? He said, only God can judge me. And I, like, I wasn't trying to you know, flex on him or like, make him feel really bad because like, you can't, I mean, yeah, I guess you can get him taken off. But I said, oh, that's pretty cool. I was like, you know, you know that like, if you're a born-again Christian, like, that won't happen, right? He said, what do you mean? I was like, oh, I was just too deep to get into at this point. But like we have, we have all these loosely thrown around terms like that that all of a sudden become an identity. And people live like that. 
People live like that. They say, you know, only God can judge me. I'm going to live my life recklessly until I get to heaven. That's wild to even think like that. that you're going to have to like give like, it would, it would be millions of pages of sins to account for. There's absolutely no reason to fear. We're going to get to why we shouldn't fear. Fear is a thing that we have because it's a fallen world and because Satan's the prince of the world. Fear is a relevant feeling and character trait that we have to deal with, but it's not God's design. All right, let's, let's go on. So focusing on eliminating fear and finding the true peace of mind with Jesus despite our circumstances... Barry Bennett, he's a guy I follow on Facebook. He's a, he, he's a professor at Karis Bible College, and he's awesome. I, I kind of stumbled upon him. Uh, Karis Bible College is where Andrew Womack teaches. <clears throat> it's out um, near like Colorado Springs. I've been there. It's phenomenal. Uh, I, had, I haven't, didn't go to like the school, but I went there for, for, a, uh, for a seminar. It was fantastic. But Barry, he has, Barry is just, has an awesome line to God. I always say that because I think that some people like the way that their delivery and their way they, they can articulate things, like that's just like, I desire that. I want to be able to have a, have a revelation or have a supernatural encounter with certain things and certain messages in the Bible. And that's why you stay in the word because things can be projected to you and you're like, oh my gosh, I've never seen it like that. So I love being able to like draw from people like Barry. So he said, <clears throat> fear is ungodly. The Spirit of God is not a spirit of fear. Too many born-again believers are paralyzed by fear. That is unbelievable. I, I love that. Fear of politics, fear of the economy, fear of the weather, and many other personal fears. Fear is not abundant life. If you're going to highlight one thing today, underline this and then go home and paint it on your living room wall. Fear is spiritual paralysis which blocks the blessings of God. Fear is spiritual paralysis which blocks the blessings of God. That like shook me. In God I have put my trust, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? That's from Psalms 56:11. Here he goes on to say, fear is a symptom of wrong focus. When believers focus on the news, they're sowing fear and doubt into their hearts. Your heart deserves better. Jump to Proverbs 4.23. Just to tie into that take, because I don't want it to be like we're studying the book of Barry Bennett. No, Barry Bennett's just having a take on something. He's having an opinion or an epiphany or a revelation on something, and then he's tying it back to the, to the word. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of its spring the issues of life. Let... Sp- Springing things from your heart that are derived from life, having life-giving thought, cannot also contain fear. Fear and life do not go hand in hand. Fear is something that we have because of the fall in the Garden of Eden. Every single sin and sickness and torment Jesus experienced on that cross was ours. He bore it. Every bit of righteousness that we now have is because of Jesus. Praise God, man. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. 
This is exactly what I was supposed to teach today because I've always said, like, and, and I, I know Isaac said this too, but it's like the, the road of life is paved with squirrels who couldn't be decisive. Be decisive. And it's like now in the fall, especially the leaves, the acorns, everything, like I've almost run over three squirrels this, this week on my, in my neighborhood, and, I'm, and I always say out loud, make a move. Make a move, but don't make two moves because you, you get, yeah, it's over. Mm. Just make a move. Make a move and be sure of it because they only get hit when they double back. If they just do choose, be decisive, you'll be good. But the minute you get hesitant, hesitation is derived from what? Here we go. Look at that. We're learning. Okay. Okay. I'm going to tell Isaac, man, we got participation today. Okay. I think often what happens <clears throat> is especially like when you, like if you're going to call me a pastor or preacher, when you get a chance to make an influence, have an influence or make an impact at, from the pulpit or when you have the responsibility, the heaviness to lead a body, to communicate the words properly, I think sometimes we overthink it. But overthinking is derived from what? Someone can say it loud, I promise it won't hurt. Thank you, fear. Overthinking is just another form of hesitation. Anxiety is derived from what? Fear. Anxiety is nothing less than rehearsing something in your mind that has not happened and most times won't happen. And trust me, I'm, I've, I'm, I've been plagued by it before. Thank God I'm rebuking it. I don't want it to be part of my life. It's something that I have to battle. It's something I know a lot of people battle, especially since COVID. But I think that a lot of people have battled anxiety. And the anxiety is just, is just a, a fancy way of saying you're fearful. I'm afraid of X. I'm afraid of an outcome. And it could be the smallest stuff. But all of the things that hold us back and create hesitancy and create like abrasiveness that don't allow, like you ever tried to, you ever tried to like move forward with your, on a bike with your brakes squeezed? It's, a, it's horrible. There's too much friction. It's ho holding you back. And this is exactly what we do. It, uh, We'll be going, and it's just like, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Dude, pedal out. Like, let's go. Make a move. Be decisive. Jesus does not want us to fear. That's simply the message that I was supposed to bring today, because in doing so, like, I'm fearful, right? We get up here, and we're like, what if people think it's too short? What if people think I go too long? What if people think that I'm being too direct? Well, I'm always going to be direct. So like, if you don't like that style. But what if people don't like the lighting? What if people think that I should have worn sleeves on my shirt? I don't know. Like You start thinking all this stuff, right? And you start going through it. And then if you tee the ball up right, and then you leave here and you go through all that and keep going through all that, now we're disqualifying ourselves from ever having an impact. And we do the same thing. Like, I'm just having an impact on more than one person right now. You guys all do what I'm doing right now on a daily basis. It's just in conversation. You know how many times I've left a conversation, especially with a customer, and I'm like, God, I don't know why I talked about that. 
Why did I talk about that? Like, what? I just probably ruined everything. Probably ruined everything. Because we disqualify ourselves. We say, oh, that wasn't, you got a word to give somebody, you never know the impact you can have. Matter of fact, we should be ready for it. We should be primed for it. Because we ask for it, right? We ask for opportunity. We want to be the big D word, disciple. You want to be a disciple? Don't ask if you're not ready for those situations. Don't ask, because now it's going to happen to you, and you're going to be like, oh boy, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You know. If someone said, what do you believe, why do you believe it? You could tell them right now. 100%. That I sh- you could tell them exactly this, that you shouldn't fear, that Jesus is your atonement. You are anointed because of what he did. It is the greatest switching of roles of all time. Of all time. Sinner, not worth it. No, I don't meet the credentials. I'm not able to be perfect. And I'm going to go through my whole life doing that. No matter how hard I try, I'm going to still not going to be good enough. None of us are. Foot at the cross is level. It's the greatest swap of all time. So there's no reason to be fearful. Ask Jesus. Ask him. Don't disqualify yourself. Don't, don't make anything that you think is exempt, don't make it exempt. Don't make it exempt. Lord, should I do this today? Should I, go do, should I do this today? Should I buy this thing? And then make a move. Jesus is not a God of hesitation. If you feel a, a, a check in your gut to not go somewhere, don't go. If you feel a, a, a leading to go, go. But fear and wisdom is not the same. Knowing you shouldn't do something and being fearful of ever of anything is not the same. That's two different conversations. It's probably two different sermons, to be honest. But what I was supposed to tell you guys today is to not be fearful. We are the righteousness of Jesus because of his sacrifice for us. And I think that's the best thing in the world. But we need to constantly be reminded of that. Constantly. And we have really short attention spans, right? It's like when I try to like, when I'm trying to parent my kids and I get real deep in theology like, you guys want to know why you listen? Okay, here's why. I'll, here's a guy who didn't listen. He's in jail, okay? So, all right, look it. He didn't listen at one point. And they're like, well, hold on, we're going to jail? I'm like, no, no, okay. If you don't listen to enough people, and then like you constantly do that, like you might go to jail. I don't know. It's like, a, a, that's, but you know, you get too theological on them. It's like when I'm coaching a team and I want to go over a million things. Like, coach, how we do the first half? Where do I even start? I don't know. Rebounds, boxing out. We didn't play defense. Our shot, none of our shots went in. It's like, okay, there's too many balls in the air. Like, let's focus in on one thing. As a church, we got to do the same thing, man. I'm not saying, and, and do not hear me when I say this, I'm unapo- I, I am unapologetic. I'm not going to, like, say something and be like, sorry. Like, I'm just going to say this right here. This sermon and my ability to just like be direct and like talk about like zooming in on something, this has no more importance than looking at some scripture and talking about a story and how other pastors can derive something and deliver it to the body. This, I'm not putting myself up on a pedestal. Understood? This is just a, a focused message that sometimes you just need a quick refresher. Sometimes that, that small Red Bull, just, it just gets the job done, you know? And that's what this is. I just, it, I just want, wanted to jumpstart the whole thing, 
just say like, let's stop fearing everything. Let's not fear. Let's be, let's be aware of our righteousness in Jesus and let's go make an impact in the world. So for this week and going forward, if there's something that you're going to leave here and tell someone, what did you learn from church today? Because I asked my daughters that at school, right? And they say, like, this is what your daughters tell you, like, you know, how's, what'd, you, <laughs> what'd you learn at school? They'll be like, we learned, I learned this. And it's like, you know, before bed, what do they want to tell you? It's like this. <laughs> but it's like, when my daughters come out of, like, Sunday school, and I ask, what'd you guys learn? I want them to be able to articulate what they learned. Not like, well, we had this bowl of Cheerios, and, like, we had this uh, glue stick, and we... We were putting them on the paper, like, okay, uh, like, what'd they teach you? Like, what kind of lessons were given at Sunday school? And they're able, either able to, like, say a Bible verse, or they're able to, to, you know, tell me, like, we talked about how Moses, and that's cool for me, because, like, they're actually, you know, they're listening, they're receiving, they're understanding. So I want to be a church, and we are a church like this. I know we are. I'm not saying that this message is exceptional from everything else. We are a church that understands things. We also need to make sure that we stay simple. I don't ever want to get to a point where my, not even my, that a spiritual maturity is something that like is out of reach. So simple message can be a very, very convenient one. It can also be very powerful. And I would say look for opportunities this week to bless others. So we're going to have a really early exit today, as I told you, but I thank you for your attention, and I know that we're going to have an impact on the world, so don't be afraid of uh, opportunity, all right? I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to get out of here. <clears throat> thank you, Lord, just for receiving spirits. Thank you, Lord, for opportunity. We are just so blessed by you, Jesus. Thank you just for being born to die for us being born to live the way that we couldn't. We are so thankful. We are eternally grateful. You are the only way to get to heaven, Jesus. And we just are so passionate about being a disciple for you. Thank you for opportunities for us to talk to others, for us to love others, and for us to bring others to the truth with good news, which is the gospel. Thank you for a great week, for blessing us, for keeping our cups overflowing. We are so thankful, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.